Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. I'm April. <laughs> and I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook. A podcast where we tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears. But in a fun way. Ho, ho, ho. Don't cut that. <laughs> um, And speaking of ho, 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 I was actually, right before we met up, I was just ruminating on the creepiness of the concept of Santa. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about the lengths that my parents took to basically stage a home intrusion every year Mm -hmm. via Santa. Yeah. And I'm curious if you have any of those same childhood memories. I do. Yeah. I mean, my parents played into the Santa Claus is real story arc. Story arc. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. They kept with the canon. That's good. Yeah. They like to keep the magic alive. We would leave out cookies and milk. I don't know. I think we also did carrots because you're supposed oh, to leave yeah. those out for the reindeer. Oh, yeah, baby. So we did it all. And um, obviously, my dad would eat the cookies. And the next morning, which is really funny looking back on this, my dad would always be like, look, Santa ate the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of his handiwork. Uh-huh. Apparently, I really was the only one of my sisters to believe in Santa for as long as I did. Gullible. <laughs> I love the magic. <laughs> I think they stopped believing around like three or four. They uh, got wise to what was going on pretty quickly, but I was- And um, for you, it was COVID when no one showed up. Yeah. It was really the final straw of that year. <laughs> yeah. My parents, they would not finish the cookies. So mm. we would put cookies out for Santa at the base of the fireplace, and they would just nibble on a little bit of it. Okay. And so there was like really compelling evidence (laughs) that someone had been there. Literal crumbs. And then I had carrots out for the reindeer. Um, 
But I also had official reindeer feed, you know, because wow, dietary balance. Yeah. Got to make sure they get their fiber. Did you, who initiated the purchase of the official <laughs> reindeer feed? <laughs> great question. Great question. We had some like, whatever, it was like a, a great, like a milled grain mix just kind of <laughs> scattered on the patio. <laughs> whatever you fed your hamster. It, it looked like Th- that. They'll be good with this. Yeah. <laughs> Have at it, boys. That's funny. And then Santa's contributions to the gifts were mm-hmm. were never wrapped. That was how it was in my household. I'm guessing that's okay. I think that's out of laziness. <laughs> so, mom, <laughs> I know you're listening, and that's my critique. Mm-hmm. Another note: my mom would write from Santa on the presents. <laughs> sometimes my parents, and what's funny, because now sometimes my parents will still. Just wrap something and write from Santa on it now. So do mine. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. they'll do it. And I'm like, oh. They're being cute. <laughs> it's the long con. Yeah. <laughs> you think you're going to get me now. <laughs> anyway, it's just weird that the lore is that a, you know, a man comes down your chimney. And he watches you all year. He watches you all year. Then he eats your food. He watches you sleep. He parks his car on your roof. He watches you awake. And he leaves you little surprises. Think about it that way. Yep. Okay, so I want to know, what's the story you wanted to tell me? So this week, I finally watched a movie that I've heard other people discuss. It was one of those movies that I missed in childhood. And I was like, okay, I'm finally going to watch this from start to finish. And that movie is Gremlins. Are your eyes closed? (laughs) No. I was looking there. Does it look like they're (laughs) closed? Yeah, they look like they're closed. (laughs) You like nodded at me with your eyes closed. (laughs) That's what it looks like. <laughs> and I finally watched that whole movie. And it's a wild <laughs> ride. Yeah. I watched it alone, too. And I was like, I should be high. <laughs> I feel like that would really enhance the Yeah, you needed experience. to trip. You needed to be tripping. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite part of that movie is the scene where Phoebe Cates reveals why she hates Christmas. And it's this scene that just comes out of nowhere. It's in the middle of all the action. They're running from the gremlins. They barricade themselves in some room. And Phoebe Cates just stops, gets this like faraway look on her face, and tells the story of how her father went missing one Christmas. They couldn't find him for days. They didn't know where he was. Oh, my God. Until they start to smell something. Oh, my God. And then, I don't remember this. Yep. They discover that her dad got stuck in the chimney and died. Oh. <gasps> Dressed as Santa Claus with his arms full of presents. Oh my God, that's so dark. (laughs) And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. That's in Gremlins? Mm Mm-hmm, I know. And then they just move on. And it's never mentioned again. That's how I like my monologues. So out of place. (laughs) Abrupt and very dark. Um... Wow, yeah, I haven't seen Gremlins in a very long time, and I did not remember that. I think it's one of those scenes you probably blocked out as a kid, or your parents fast, or I just didn't understand, <laughs> or I was just more right, you know, fixated on the Gremlins. Yes, you know. On that note, the stories we have in this episode are creepy Christmas adjacent, but they are both pretty disturbing. So, mm-hmm. one is literally my worst nightmare. Oh yeah, brace yourselves, everyone. And both were sent in by Tenderfoot listeners, so this should be exciting. I'm ready. We're going dark this Christmas. 
Dark as the coal in your stocking. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> so my now husband and I are from San Diego and are avid surfers. My family was planning to meet in Santa Barbara for Christmas. So to get some surfing in, my husband and I decided to drive our van up and stay the night in Morro Bay on Christmas Eve. Our plan was to camp in our van right off the beach. The morning we got to Morro Bay, we decided to go surfing in an area known as the pit. We'd never been to Morro Bay before and actually had a friend tell us before we left that if we were planning to surf, just to be careful because it can get sharky up there. We shrugged it off knowing that there aren't many shark attacks each year and we'd most likely be fine. When we got in the water, there were a handful of surfers around, maybe five or so. But the swell was really big. And when you were sitting past the break, looking back at the shore, the waves were so high, you couldn't see whoever actually caught the wave. It was an eerie day, kind of overcast. The sun would peek out, but then go away. And it would randomly start raining for spurts of time. I remember thinking something felt ominous. My husband and I didn't really pay attention to the other people out there. We were sort of off by ourselves with one other guy to our left facing the shore. We happened to notice him because he was boogie boarding and we'd said to each other how it was unusual to see a boogie boarder so far out. He must have been really good to be in those big waves on a boogie board. He had long fins on and a hood and was maybe 20 yards away from us. I don't remember seeing the boogie boarder catch a wave in, but I remember turning my head at one point and he wasn't there anymore. I figured he must have caught a wave and I just didn't see him because like I said, you couldn't see over the waves. Right after that, I caught a really nice wave and rode it pretty close to shore. When I hopped off my board afterward and my feet hit the sand, I had this scrambling feeling. It's hard to describe, but I felt panicked, like I needed to get back on my board. I was surprised by this feeling because I surf all the time, and unless it's dark out, I never feel spooked being in the water. I got back on my board and paddled back out past the break. It was rougher at this point and I had to duck under a few waves. Each time I went under, I got that panicked feeling. I eventually made it back out to my husband. We were getting cold and decided we'd probably call it soon. About 20 minutes later, we got out of the water and went back to our van. While we were back at the car, a boat approached the surfers still out in the water and we saw that everyone was paddling back to shore. We thought this was odd, but thought maybe worst case, there'd been a shark sighting or something. While this was happening, a cop was walking behind our van and taking pictures of license plates. I stopped the cop and asked him if it was a problem that we were parked there, thinking he was gonna start giving people tickets. He said no, and that he was actually trying to find the car of a man who was just attacked in the water. I was stunned. I asked him what he meant, 
and he said that a boogie boarder was found essentially bitten in half. He pointed out to a spot on the beach where we could see in the distance a body covered by a tarp and two fins uncovered at the bottom sticking straight up in the air, still on the man's feet. It's a lot to think about here. Why was it him and not one of us? We were right next to him in the water. I oftentimes wonder about how the shark took him and if it was in those moments right before I turned my head to look over at him, wondering where he went so quickly. Had my body somehow picked up on the danger around me or the large mass in the water and that's why I felt panicked whenever I was off my board? My husband and I were obviously completely shaken. It took us a while to come to terms with what happened. And we still talk frequently about that day and the man who lost his life. We found out later that they suspect it was a 16-foot great white that was in the water with us that day. It was the first fatal shark attack in that area in 18 years. Shark Week actually did a special on this case as well. The man's name was Thomas Butterfield. Rest in peace. So that's not one you hear every day. How triggered were you uh, reading this story? God, um, this is like the scariest kind of story to me. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the real, you know, case. Yeah. And watched a YouTube video about it. Oh, really? From like a shark specialist. Yes. (laughs) Wow. You really, uh, it's almost sadistic. (laughs) I know it is torture. I, I did do it to myself. Yeah. But it's so sad. Really sad. And it's so scary. Like, it really is like so many people in California surf, you know? Mm-hmm. And so many people are fine. It It's truly like that line about, um, you know, what are the odds? Right. It's true. It's true. The odds are really low. People cite it like, it's more likely you'll get bitten by a shark than X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. Oh, scary. Just to think about 16 foot just shadow down there that's insane yeah well that's that's kind of what's so chilling about this story is that they never see anything and yet there was a 16 foot great white shark in their vicinity the entire time and the idea the imagery of her just looking to her left and being like Mm -hmm. huh guess he caught a wave in i know it's really it's just so sad that it happened on christmas because you know, like, was he planning to see family later or the next day? You know, you just think about, man, receiving that news on Christmas. I know. Yeah. It's devastating. Um, this is definitely one of the creepier ones. And this was sent in by um, a Tenderfoot listener named Mel. This really happened to her. Like, mm-hmm. this is a true story and everything. Well, we're glad that, that you guys were okay. But and... I don't know how you, like, how you return to surfing after that. Right. The thing is, there is a component where statistically it's like, that can't happen to you again. That can't happen to you twice. You know what I mean? Or it's highly unlikely. But you probably didn't think it was going to happen the first time. So I wonder if there is a statistic there, the likelihood of you being in two shark attacks. Because isn't there that one person that was like attacked multiple times by a shark? I think by the same shark. No, not by the same shark. (laughs) 
Is it Blake Lively in the movie The Shallows? <laughs> yes. Actually, I was thinking about Blake Lively from The Shallows. There Thank you go. You. Thank you. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. <laughs> you created like a Moby Dick situation. You're like, ah, Vendetta. <laughs> um, no, I think there was a surfer that was attacked multiple times by a shark before. Um, like at different, at different mm-hmm. times. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is a very famous story and probably a bunch of people know about it. But anyway, that aside, just returning to surfing after this. I know. There's actually another part to the story that I know because I looked it up and it's pretty gruesome. But I feel like I should say it now that I know the full thing. What? You know, you probably wondered about the discovery of his body, you know, because to Mel, you know, in the story, like Mm -hmm. he just disappeared. Yeah. But um, apparently there was a surfer or somebody in the water. I think it was a surfer. And she saw the boogie board Mm -hmm. just like floating. And I think she thought that was concerning or something. So she went to get the board. And when she pulled on it, she could feel that something heavy was attached to it. And he like, you know, he was still attached by the cord. Oh, God. This is a morbid question. But to clarify, was he... In one piece? No. Well, no, I don't think he wasn't. So. Well, I don't think so. I mean, the story says, and what I, you know, read was that it was like uh, a bite to the head, neck, shoulder area. I think it was the mm-hmm. top torso. Um, I don't know the details. I did not look for. I don't know that there's yeah. photos, and I would not be interested. No, that's too horrific. Yeah. Oh man, if this happened to me, April, you would hear about it every day. Mm-hmm. You would hear about it I know. every day. I and know. if you somehow made it through this podcast without knowing that sharks are my biggest fear, then that's the context. <laughs> sharks are my number one biggest fear. Yeah. I love how we came full circle on this, like from the very first episode this year to the very last episode of this year. I talked about being afraid of sharks. Came back around. Very nicely cyclical. <laughs> and so now you know um, your fear is not irrational. Fear sharks, Meredith. Fear them. <laughs> Rational. Rational. Maybe if something happened to you, it would be good exposure therapy. If what happened to me? <laughs> not this. Not this. Maybe if you just spotted a shark in the ocean. No. No. I don't want that. I really don't want it. <laughs> I'm interested um, in, you know, whatever, whatever, pushing my comfort zone, mm-hmm. all that stuff. No. I don't want this. No. No one wants this. I think if maybe... uh. Maybe if you were in the presence of a shark. Maybe if we went on a trip. I, April, um, right now, I'm never going on a trip with you. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just presenting a scenario. I'm not going. We go, we go to Costa Rica, and um, you know, we go on a boat, and there's a very secure metal cage, and we, I'll go with you. We can. Uh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> lower ourselves down in the ocean and just be in the presence of these majestic creatures you're in cahoots with the sharks that generally do not attack humans you know generally sharks they leave you alone this sounds very suspicious (laughs) you're in cahoots with the sharks i'm in the pocket of sharks i'm in the pocket of big shark (laughs) (laughs) great white shark oh god
A word from our sponsors. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Here's another story. In the late 80s and early 90s, my family and I lived in a neighborhood called Willow Bend Lakes in Plano, Texas. The homes in this neighborhood were quite large, with pools and tennis courts. They didn't have large yards, but there were these grassy alleyways behind the homes that all of the neighborhood kids played on and used as cut-throughs to get to each other's houses more quickly. From these grassy alleyways, or greenways, You could easily see into most people's homes without needing to hop the fence and actually walk through their personal property. It was Christmas time of 1989, and I was 12 years old. My little brother was 8 years old, and I used to babysit for him sometimes when my parents went out to dinner or to events in the evening. Our house was a one-level, ranch-style, large U-shaped home with a pool, hot tub, and patio located in the center of the U. We also had a black wrought iron fence about five feet tall surrounding the yard and the house. My brother and I had adjoining rooms on one side of the U. It was like our little wing of the house. My room had a large window facing the backyard, fence, and greenway that ran behind the house. The window had these wooden blinds that even when shut, you could still kind of see through when lying down on my bed. 
I had twin beds in my room, and when I babysat my brother, he would sleep in the bed next to the window, and I would sleep in the bed closer to the door. A large den, breakfast area, and kitchen were located off of our hallway in the center area of the house. The den had massive floor-to-ceiling windows everywhere overlooking the pool patio, and our Christmas tree was located next to this wall of windows. We hardly ever closed the shades on these windows. My parents went to a Christmas party one evening in downtown Dallas, and I stayed home to babysit my brother. It was a normal Saturday night. Eventually, he went to sleep in my bedroom in the bed next to the window. I stayed up for a bit watching Saturday Night Live, and then I decided to go to sleep too. The only lights I left on were the lights in our pool and our Christmas tree lights. As I laid down in my bed, I had a creepy feeling that someone was watching me. I'd been facing my bedroom door, but decided to turn over to face my brother in my window. As I turned over, I saw the shadow of a large figure standing outside my window. The figure was doing something to the window. I froze. I remember feeling two things, petrified and pissed off. My pissed off feeling superseded my fear. My little brother was next to that window, and I was super protective of him. There was no way that I was going to let this guy come in and do anything to my brother. I jumped out of my bed and flipped on my bathroom light. The figure must have noticed the light because at this time, he slowly crouched down below my window so I couldn't see him anymore. I now realize that the situation was worse than I thought because he had obviously climbed over our fence and would be able to access our pool and patio area where there were multiple doors and windows. I had no idea if all of them were locked since we frequently left them unlocked due to their supposed private location. All of the shades and blinds on the windows in the den were open. The house was pitch black except for the Christmas tree lights. I didn't want to turn on any additional lights because then he would be able to see me, but I wouldn't be able to see outside. I started hearing little tapping noises coming from the other side of the house past the den. I thought for sure that this guy was testing the doors and windows to see if any were unlocked. This was pre-cell phone era, so I couldn't call my parents directly. I thought of calling the police, but the nearest phone was located in the den, and I was too scared to go over there and expose myself to the wall of windows. I was sure he'd see me. I decided to slowly crawl behind some furniture and under a table, away from the windows, to the breakfast nook, where my mother kept her good china and silverware. I quietly opened a drawer and found a snake knife, which I grabbed. Then I snuck back under the table and behind the furniture, deciding to lie under the Christmas tree with the knife. I could see all areas of the house from there, while the tree protected me from behind. I was sure that this guy would appear inside my house at any moment and attack me. I never woke up my brother because I didn't want him to know what was happening. I didn't want him to be afraid or make any noise. I don't know how long I waited under the tree, but finally I heard our garage door open and our car pull in. I got up and ran into the garage screaming. My parents were shocked and really freaked out. They called our neighbor's security guards who came to the house to investigate immediately. The guards found footprints in the grass outside of my window, as well as in the greenway. They found that one of our fence gates had been tampered with. They also found that the wiring for our home's alarm system had been cut around my window. They told us that there had been several incidents in the area lately involving a perpetrator who would break into homes via bedroom windows, 
take young girls outside in these greenway areas, threaten them, assault them, and then run away. Actually, the police named him the North Dallas Rapist. You can look this up, it's true. A few weeks later, another house in a neighborhood close by was broken into and a young girl was taken. I'll never know why this person stopped in the middle of trying to break into my room. Maybe one of our neighbors heard something and walked outside to investigate, which scared him off. Maybe someone was walking his dog late that night in the Greenway, and this guy decided that the location of our house was too risky. Who knows? But the story still gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. Um, very scary, and I hope this man rots in hell. Yep, co-signed. Castrated. <laughs> Preferably rotting while castrated. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I just think of, um, you know. Torture you for just... people who deserve it. <laughs> yes, a very elaborate torture for people like this. Do you ever just daydream about that? <laughs> I don't personally, but I do find it, um, it c- kind of nicely rounds out the picture of you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it does. It's not good to think that way, but in my mind, it, it helps alleviate the uh, sense of injustice and sheer hatred and anger that I have toward uh, this person and other people like him. The scum of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a real case. Um, we did look it up. Mm-hmm. This was sent in by a Tenderfoot listener, and their name was Catherine. Mm. Truly, thank God you're okay, Catherine. Yes. Yeah, and thank you for telling us your story. Like, it's very hard to revisit these things, I think. Yeah, and honestly, the logistics of what you did and what you were thinking at such a young age, very impressive. Yeah. She's like a little diehard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's like taking cover under a Christmas tree. It was giving tree. a little Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. Home Alone. I guess, yeah. Kevin is, um, Macaulay Culkin is a little Bruce Willis, a little diehard. Yeah, when you think about it. Own, right? It's yeah. really kind of all in the same franchise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very resourceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the imagery of the Christmas tree being the only light mm. during this terrifying you know moment Mm -hmm. is super chilling yes you get an immediate picture oh yeah in your head of what that looks like yeah the glow of a christmas tree can be a very beautiful thing but in this case it's super haunting Mm -hmm. but then taking that a step further i think waiting under the tree with a knife i was like oh my god that is peak creepy christmas that is peak terrifying (laughs) christmas yeah waiting under the tree with a knife quaint yet terrifying it really is i i will say i got a little distracted by um the description of this house and um can i live there yeah i was like this is fascinating (laughs) can i live in this house (laughs) yeah also these like grassy little alleyways and Mm -hmm. i think they said hot tub yeah a pool and a hot tub in the backyard floor to ceiling windows the kids had their own wing of the house. These circumstances, um, notwithstanding, 
This sounds like a lovely place to live. So if anyone wants to get April something for Christmas. Yes. Do a little shopping on Zillow. Yeah, we'll talk budget. It probably can't be over like 300000 right? <laughs> in 1990, I wonder what this house cost in 1990. In a gated community, I actually don't no think less. I want to see that. I don't, I don't think I want to be... I know. It any more depressed. Extremely disappointed. sponsors. Okay. Meredith is sleepy, so I'm going to read her a bedtime story. <laughs> I was just looking down. God. Okay, I'll be honest. Okay, I'll be um, honest. I looked at my phone. I looked at my phone. While I was speaking. <laughs> while I was speaking. It was disrespectful. <laughs> April caught me. And now I have to listen to her read a book. As punishment. Okay, so my roommate has this book that her mom gave her for Christmas one year called The 13 Yule Lads of Iceland. Nordic countries, they've got some strange whimsy surrounding Christmas. Oh, yeah. And I'm into it. Do you know I'm, I've got Swedish in me? Have I told oh, you about that? That makes sense. Yeah, we do. In my house, we do Swedish meatballs and mm. kidney beans and different Swedish cookies and stuff every Christmas. I actually Ooh, really love it. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Yeah, you come from that long Swedish stock. So um. <laughs> so this is from your creepy Nordic Christmas book that is on your coffee table? Yep. It's about the 13 Yule Lads of Iceland, a dysfunctional family of trolls, which, you know, <laughs> relatable. <laughs> they are the sons of the old hag Grilla. I'm sure their mom loves to be referred to as the old hag. <laughs> yeah. And um, there is no pronunciation guide in this book. So my apologies in advance. I'm going to do my best. But I don't think that anyone should continue listening if what they want is proper pronunciation. That's true. And again, so sorry. But really, this is on Meredith. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? Get, get cozy. I want to know what happens in the, in the story. This is, it's not a story. It's just a list of characters. <laughs> oh, so because I looked at my phone, now you have to mispronounce a list of Nordic characters? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, you don't want to hear about Gil Jaguar? Sorry, guys. <laughs> and the fact that he likes children and animals? That's kind of nice. But he's a bit clumsy. Oh. Yeah. Well, everyone has a fault. What about Stufer? He's small, but he's got a big heart and a bright personality. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not looking good for Stufer. Short king. <laughs> Voru Slakir. He's a bit dopey. 
probably because of all the thumps on the head he has received. But he is kind and understanding. Who's giving him thumps on the head? Grilla. <laughs> it's the old hag. Awful. So what does that have to do with Christmas? This is just one of those things, man. What does anything have to do with Christmas? It's a good point. You know? It's a good point. Pot to sleek here. Pot liquor. That's a character? Mm-hmm. Pot liquor? Yep. He is quick-witted and single-minded. He also enjoys exercise. <laughs> this is on this his is dating uh, app? profile. <laughs> yeah. Oscar sleek here. In parentheses, bowl liquor. Okay, well, it's been really great. And then, uh, okay, scare glutton. So we're just doing them all. He's often a bit confused. We're just doing the whole list. Go, shh, go sleep. <laughs> uh, you can never be too sure what you will receive from him in your shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, part of this is that uh, children, they leave their shoes on their windowsill for um, these guys to leave presents in. But if you're bad, they leave a rotten potato. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much better. <laughs> Of a raz than coal. Than coal. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Leave a rotten potato. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so this has been a delight. And um, <laughs> thank you for that soothing bedtime story. You're welcome. I hope everyone has a really great holiday. And if you celebrate Christmas, um, maybe reconsider because apparently it's pretty creepy and messed up. Yeah, man. Yeah, happy holidays, everyone. And have a great new year. Yeah, because we're actually going to take a little break. So mm -hmm. we are going to have a few weeks off because we need them. But um, <laughs> we'll be back in January. Yes. Like early mid-January. So, you know, we're just going to take a short reprieve. I'm going to actually um, step outside mm. as will Meredith. Remains to be seen. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> Yeah, happy holidays. And while you're home with your families, collect scary stories and then email them to us. Go to our website, rattledandshook.com, and go to the form at the bottom mm -hmm. and submit some stories. Yeah, we've been loving the submission so far, and we'd love to hear more. And thanks thanks for, you know, joining us thus far. It's been, it's been a ride. And we hope you're looking forward to the new year as much as we are. Festive. Love ya. <laughs> <laughs> Love ya. Is that to me? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, uh -huh. when the next thing you say is um, I don't have. I get it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I get it. That's fine. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.